podcast is made of bite-sized, pleasing interviews with individuals who are amazing and are readers. I'm interested in them because of their work, because of who they are, and finding out why they love books, and I hope you will enjoy this moment with me. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, before we get into the questions, can you please tell everybody uh, who Ashley is? Okay. Um, let's see. So I'm Ashley Whitfield. I, I've learned that perhaps the best way to describe myself is that I'm an art historian. Not really, but um, who organizes education programs. Yeah. For children. For children and sometimes adults. It's migrated into children because I have children. I'm also a mother. Um, but I, yeah, so I, before moving here, I worked in a gallery doing exactly that. But then since I've lived here, I've started to do it independently. Yes. So do you want me to tell you about the projects or is that... No, it's fine. We can (laughs) get into it afterwards. Okay. Um, So, why Mm. do you love books? That's the first question. And I always couch it with, I assume you love books. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that everybody I, you know, sort of like ask and get led to does have a lot of books and does love books. And um, so, yeah, why do you love books? Why do I love books? Well, I think that books are, they help us to know about the world, about other people's and our own suffering as well, which I think is is very important for us to be able to change the world. Um, But I'm not sure if my relationship is is a love relationship as much as a... I realize that I need them, you know? Yeah. I need them to be able to think differently and to do the things that will change a lot of the questions that you and I have spoken about, like around inequality and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, There's this one thing that James Baldwin said, is like, if you think that your life is bad, then you haven't read. Yeah. So that's why I realize (laughs) that we need books. Yes. But sometimes it can be painful um, reading both in the stories that we read in and also the length of the book and being able to find the time to get through something that you know you need to yeah. read. Yeah. So, I think that's why. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good enough. Okay. And do you have um, a favorite book or a favorite set of books and why in particular um, that book or those books? Mm. I don't have favorite books, but I have books that are more transformative than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and of those, I would say 
uh, any of Octavia Butler's novels have been um, very important to me, particularly Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talent. I remember mm. reading those books when I was having a, a, just a very difficult time in life in general, mm. and I just found them so inspiring. Um, even though they're a work of fiction, they're obviously rooted in Black culture and traditions that I could really relate to. Mm. So there was a lot to learn from those, um, particularly in the also those little, the beginning, I'm sure you are familiar with those, and in the beginning of each chapter, she has these um, small passages about change. And I those were biblical, almost, reading, mm. reading those. So... That's something of a of a favorite, I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. But then there's also so then I was thinking like the writing, for instance, in Kwame Torre's um, Black Power. It's not the writing or like the the pleasure of reading that book, mm. but that book was equally transformative for me. Um, and also like Baldwin's, you know, The Fire Next Time and other books that are much more sort of rooted in in lived experience or are manifestos. Um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. You know, those, these books are really important. Yeah. But I don't know if I consider them favorites. Favorites, I don't yeah. Really I really want to keep quite critical. <laughs> yeah, they're just important. They're no, really it's important. fine. We'll okay. put uh, a list of your reading lists okay. that you, uh, at the end of this, uh, or when I put it up, rather. Um, and do you have a reading ritual, like a, a way that you come to words, to reading, yeah. to time with books? I've had to refine that question <laughs> yeah. because it's like, yeah, do you have a reading ritual that you follow? Well, mind the fact that you're a mom. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, this is funny because actually... Um, when you said that, what I was thinking about are the canvas bags that I have. Yeah. That I, I, so before becoming a mother, no, there was no ritual. There was a, there was a book that I wanted to read. I'd just find time to read it. And then that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And, um, and, and before moving here as well, I used public transportation a lot. And so I would always have a book in my bag and I could read it. And then when I was working in galleries, um, particularly if I was doing any kind of invigilation work, which is literally just sitting and making sure that no one touches anything. Um, there were people in the galleries and we would kind of decide we're all going to read this book, for instance. Um, so it was easy to find time, is what I'm saying. I felt yeah. like I had a lot of time yeah. where I was sitting, um, paid or not. And then after having children, I have canvas bags where I have books that I would like to read or <laughs> books I would like <laughs> to have read at this point. And there's a collection of them. So like you picked up The Zulus of New yeah. York. That's one. Um, there's another book and I can't even think of the title so of it. So they're like everywhere. Yeah, they're like, and so usually if I if I have the opportunity to go and do some some work or to, you know, to work on something, then I have the stack of about four or five books that I have this ambitious plan to go and sit and read <laughs> but it's nice because what it means is that 
um, just like I would say like you know, so there's two novels and there's usually two books on discipline for children or on parenting in general yeah and then there's uh, a biography as well which is Bernie Sanders biography yeah so all of those are in a usually in a canvas bag that I can just pick up and take with me on the vain hope that that you will find time I will find time <laughs> <laughs> to read these books and the idea that somehow I'm going to read all five within the oh, 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it has become a ritual of sorts. Yeah. I think the reason why it's it's of significance to me is that it it's it's always um, it's like there is a hope that I'll be able to read them. But then sometimes I sit down and actually, you know, I I came across something very difficult with my children, mm-hmm. and I and I really do need to invest time in reading the whole brainchild for that, those 15 minutes. Mm. Other times mm. I, I sit down and I'm checking emails. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to read. And actually, I just really want to break from things. Mm. So mm. I'll read the Zulus of New York. <laughs> or, you know, but it's nice that they're all there. So I'm not forced to read the novel over the Bernie Sanders yeah. biography. Yeah. So yeah. that's been a, a new... <laughs> That's I don't know if that's a right I mean, but that's no, where we are. No. <laughs> that's where we are in life right now. Yeah. Well, I guess then it, I mean, it follows on to the next question. Do you have a favorite place to read? And in light of your answer, I guess maybe it would be yeah. an aspirational place. Maybe like if you had the time mm. or when you do have the time, where is your favorite place to just find those 15 minutes yeah. and read? I mean, goodness, going back to an, um, a young, a, you know, slightly younger version of myself to have, I mean, I remember those days of envisioning after studying and I had just finished a master's and I was just taking pretty much any job in the arts that was available and that would pay. Um, and, and I just remember really enjoying being in an art gallery and, mm-hmm. and reading mm. yeah, that was nice or being on mm. at the time because I was in London being on the tube and zoning out and just reading um, mm. but like you said considering my new circumstances <laughs> that doesn't happen um, but I think if if I was a bit more organized then right before bed like mm. a 30 minute Mm. I I came I I met someone within this year who had a goal of reading so many books per year and apparently this person leaves them on uh, their bedside table and then kind of like I do with the canvas bag but manages to actually set aside time to read to go through and this them. person has kids too yeah know? so I, so I think if I was more organized that would be a nice that just sounds like a nice end to the day the same way that I like to read to the kids in order to end their day yeah, yeah. but uh, right now it is you know if, what it is what, <laughs> it is what it is if there's a moment where I'm waiting for instance like at the dentist or you know the times of waiting, I suppose. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, just um, second last question mm. is, um, I guess, what is this your favorite soundtrack? But I'm assuming um, at this point wise? to reading. Oh, uh, I see. I'm, I'm assuming that silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because I think... 
Well, let me think of something. Okay, well, I have, well, this is funny, because I, I think I've imagined myself, and my, my ideal version of self is someone who can sit in a coffee shop and have all the sounds going on, and I've just focused completely on something, and in this case, reading. But then when I look at the times where I've actually managed to kind of really get into a book or um, will work it there is it is quieter than mm, <laughs> what i like to be mm. or it's a song that i'm so familiar with that i can that you don't have to i don't have to pay yeah. attention yeah and i think a song that i'd be that familiar with i like um i mean i like jay dilla's donuts for instance a lot mm. um and pretty much anything by Jay Dilla, but the things that don't have words, words though, because yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why I like Because, yeah, yeah, competing sound. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Or, yeah. you know, maybe some, some Coltrane, something or another, but it's, it has to be something without, without words. But gosh, to get to the point of being able to sit down, turn that on, and be able to read <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> that would be yeah. very fortunate. Maybe in a yeah. few years when yeah. the kids are older. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Okay. So last question. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh huh. Which is a bonus question. Uh, who taught you how to read? I'm always interested to find out who taught people how to read. Hmm. I'm trying to think back. Um. The answer is I don't really remember, but mm. I do remember had like um, struggling to read. Actually, I remember being in at least in the states in the third or fourth grade, and feeling like I just wasn't a very good reader, and it was a chore. Um, I remember that we had a, like a summer reading program, and I would almost always lie and said that I read the book when I did not. Uh, and then at some point, I started to get audiobooks in order to help. Because it, it just seemed like such a like. I look at these books and just <laughs> take so much time, <laughs> you know. So it wasn't an easy thing. I don't remember who taught me, or I mean, I of course remember my parents reading to me and having and having. But or I shouldn't say of course. Fortunately, I remember that. Um, I'm pretty sure that my school must have done some kind of phonics program or something like that. Mm. But I wasn't the kid who had a chapter book and enjoyed getting into mm, it was and reading and I loved it. it. Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did not. And I remember having one little friend who was that person, too, uh, who really liked to read. And then another friend who was like reading and then also writing her own books at like eight, in eighth grade. And that just... I, that was not me at all. And I think that it probably didn't change significantly until I was in high school. And I remember having um, English classes where we were reading books that were, I'm trying to think of an example of one now, but they just, it was, it, I think it was because we, we had, so we had this one teacher, um, his name I can't remember, oh, I think it was Mr. Gruber actually. And what he did is <laughs> made the test impossible. So he couldn't, as I had been doing before, not read the book and read like cliff notes or like 
skim the book mm. and do decently well, <laughs> you had to, to read, read it. Because yeah. he'd ask about some very particular detail of the book. But being forced to read it and then also write about the book meant that then I found reading again. Or like, not again, I found reading. <laughs> like I knew how to read it. <laughs> like, yeah. But it was, it was like, okay, I, I, have, I have to, to actually it, yeah. read it and pay attention if I want to do well. Because by then I had the fear of what my future was going to hold after high school if I didn't, you know, do overcome. Yeah. 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 And that was great. And then by the time I got to college, I university, I really enjoyed reading and that and and I majored in um, literature and language. Wow. Yeah. yeah, quite a leap. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty big leap, I have to say. It was a pretty big leap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your time, for the berry tea. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, fun. it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. Hi, my name is Ashley and I love books. Thank you so much for listening to I Love Books with Maribu King. I hope the conversation put a reading spark in your day. Join me again next time as we explore the reading lives of book lovers together.